Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We've just watched the last episode of the Moon Base. Episode four. That's right. We also, um, this is the first episode since we watched the Christmas special, too. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we, we talked about, because the last one time we watched this, it was on Christmas Eve. Uh, and it was the obviously the day before Jodie Whittaker um, signed on to be Doctor Who. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot has happened in the world of Doctor Who since then. It has. I forgot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not me. I remember these things. We don't do show notes here, but the show notes go on in my mind. He's pointing at his, his noggin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I overstuffed a noggin full of useless Doctor Who facts and figures. Facts about episode four of the moon base? Why, yes, there are some facts. and fa- Well, the one thing uh, I was uh, actually keen to, to notice if I could hear anything, but I'm wondering if perhaps the restoration team uh, further cleaned up the audio. But this, I remember I said before that around this time of Doctor Who's history, they were recording episodes one week before airing. Well, this episode, it was found after the recording had been finished. I think they were recording on Saturdays at this point, um, uh, as opposed to Friday. I can't remember now. Um, but they noticed that on the master tape, the talk back from the floor director to the, the studio gallery, whatever was being said on that, was accidentally recorded onto the master tape audio. Oopsie. Yeah, it was. A, I think it was a similar uh, problem that affected the recording of episode one of the Daleks way back when in 1963. But they had back then they had a they they saw okay we have to remake this whole episode because we can't it's unusable. Here they didn't have that luxury because it was airing the next week, so they basically had to edit around all the bits where. The P, the uh, uh, floor assistant was uh, was heard on the on the soundtrack. So I was look I was listening out to see where it was happening because there was a lot of dialogue in this, and there wasn't necessarily any moments when there was just like no audio whatsoever. Yeah, I I don't think I maybe at one point I noticed something that was a little weird, but whatever it was wasn't clear enough for me to mm-hmm. to notice because I didn't know that. So so yeah, it didn't uh, I didn't notice. No, I didn't either. I thought perhaps the audio was a little bit more um, treated, perhaps. Maybe that's what what it was. Maybe they sort of had to put like a noise gate on or something in 1967 to sort of like block out anything like that. I know. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, What other useless facts? Oh, uh, you counted 11 Cybermen. You're right. I I said there were nine. They made 11 Cybermen costumes for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when they were all arrayed in like a big semicircle... I was counting, and I was like, "That seems like more than nine. And it was. Mm-hmm. That was. That's a lot of Cybermen. That's way more Cybermen than they've ever made for any other. I think they made eight in the eighties for Earthshock. Um, and I don't know how many were left over from this when they made two of the Cybermen when they made pretty much the same outfit. So, yeah, they they, they spent a lot of money on costumes. Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool. Mm. Uh, so, so what do you think of this exciting conclusion to uh, to the moon base? Um, it felt a little anticlimactic. I was, <laughs> you think? I was kind of expecting the doctor to come up with some like, you know, he he even has a line in here about how everything has a weakness; you just have to find it. Uh-huh. Well, 
he doesn't actually find a weakness. He just finds a a different way, not even a different way to use the Gravitron, just he just points it in a different direction, which, I mean, is a thing that they probably could have done at any time. Um, Maybe the Cyberman's weakness was gravity. Shouldn't have used gravity, bruh. <laughs> I am glad that uh, in this episode with, with actual moving footage, yeah. uh, I finally got to see some of the wire work that I assume they all recorded on the same day. Yeah, at Adeling Film Studio, they recorded that. Uh, and the model shots, probably, and it's maybe kneeling as well. And then the shot with the um, the hole in the Gravitron mm. with the um, that old business. Yeah, that was, that, that to me felt a little bit like um, going back to the roots of the show with uh, requiring a bit of educational content. About, you know, there's a vacuum. They didn't, they didn't go into the detail to explain it that I feel like they probably would have if this had been early in the Hartnell era. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, there's a vacuum outside, so all of the oxygen goes out through the hole, so we need to block it, and we can't do it with just a cloth thing because the vacuum is pulling too hard. So we'll use this Perspex coffee tray instead. I don't know if that would work, but hey, maybe it would. So I, I don't know if you remember this, um, but at the time, I the this this episode was the first thing I thought of when in Kill the Moon, mm-hmm. they're on the moon base and not this moon base, but a different moon base, and an, a, a hole is blown out in the door or something like that because of one of those little um, um, uh, spider creatures, and there's like a manhole cover or a big metal plate that sort of gets. You know, it's all going, and boom, it goes up against the hole and blocks the hole. And I'm not too sure if Peter Harness was directly referring to this episode when he wrote that in, but I'd like to think that he was. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like a nice, a nice callback. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people have called into question the uh, scientific plausibility of this perspect, perspex mm-hmm. tea tray being able to um to hold, but maybe they made. It, maybe it's Ikea maybe it's strong stuff well this is, this is the future yeah. um, I'm certain that everything on a moon base it was probably like made specifically uh, to be strong enough to to act in exactly this manner mm-hmm. like I just my headcanon is that they were planning when they you know because everything if you're bringing something into space yeah. everything needs to be important like you're not bringing a bunch of, of extra random stuff everything Everything needs to be useful. So why would you bother to send up a tray for carrying cups and dish like dishes and stuff like that? No, no, no. It's it's a it's a multitasker. It doubles. It actually was specifically made to seal leaks in the uh, in the plastic or the glass or you know whatever it is, the the special future space plastic stuff that's around the gravitons. Yeah. Gravitron. So we'll say transparent aluminum how about? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Reference acknowledged. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I have no problem with that because it's the future, and they're in space on a base on the moon. That's true. Mm-hmm. Let your yeah, twenty seventy. A lot of stuff will have happened by twenty seventy. Mm-hmm. We'll be back to levers and buttons and dials for one thing. <laughs> um, and also, it's another case of of when Polly brings in coffee. Um, she saves the day because she brings it in the first time and that's where they first discover that, that sugar is the problem. Mm-hmm. And now this time around, of course, it literally plugs a hole mm-hmm. in the um, plot. Well, no, the the dome. Yep. Yeah. Yep, so, yeah. Coffee. Coffee. And she helps relay messages to uh, to Benoit 
Um, but apart from that, she does very little else. Jamie did nothing in this episode. I was going to say, she did more than Jamie. Well, yeah. Jamie, no, Jamie and Ben uh, <clears throat> rammed a Cyberman in the gut and then yeah. also blocked off the... Um, blocked off the the medical room so like they did something they Mm. did one useful thing um although i i don't get why uh when when all of these men were were disabled they had those you know the controlling helmet things pulled off of their heads and were taken and and put into beds in the medical room why did you put the controlling headset right by their hands in their bed why wouldn't you lock that up away separately from them well, where are those? Those are cyber things, right? Yeah. So the Cybermen put those those on them, and then sent the men back in. And remember the in was it episode three yeah, that they were yeah. trying to take over, and they managed to like you know our heroes managed to overpower them and get the things off of their heads, so they weren't being controlled, and 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 then put them safely away in the beds to tend to them later, but left the controlling headsets right on the bed with them instead of like putting them anywhere else that was now that you mentioned i recall that now <laughs> that was less well thought through yeah it's a little little silly yeah mm-hmm. well they weren't the brightest up there at the moon base <laughs> i don't think possibly i don't know uh, yeah there were some um there were steps not taken that i feel like uh maybe should have been but you know they all these guys have probably been awake for like 24 hours because they've been they've been having to work around the clock and cover shifts and you you do get kind of adulpated uh with the lack of sleep and possibly somewhat lack of oxygen you never know how how good the air mix is up there mm-hmm I think it's uh, the, the the main I think thing to pull away from the moon basin is basically overwork and workplace fatigue I think and the detrimental effects that it has on the workplace. This is actually an allegory uh, created by the unions to yes. <laughs> to make it clear that it is important to treat your workers well and I fully support this. I stand behind the message in the moon base. I agree. And also at the end Speaking of like workplace, uh, you know, wor- worker um, uh, rights, not rights, uh, health treatment, mm-hmm. we don't find out how well or if perhaps that little, the infection that's mm-hmm. all amongst all the other uh, crew members, does that go away? Are they just locked in that room? Are they zombies forever? I'm sure if it's incurable, they will put them out of their misery cheery right they aren't even referred to they just sort of say okay you know well that's it that's taking care of the siren okay let's get right back and sort of like i i I do uh like hobson's um you know work ethic and this is okay that's done Mm -hmm. there's no time for celebrating we got work to do but you know it says let's do double shifts and let's get ready in two hours i think you probably could do it quicker perhaps if they managed to tend to their wounded um co-workers i think it was made clear when the doctor was was looking into the virus or whatever it was that it's not something that they could just easily cure there on the moon base or they would have done that already right. so i mean hobson's right they need to they need to take their couple hours get everything back online so that the weather of the world is controlled uh, correctly so you know basically they're still saving millions of lives right. when another rescue ship comes in theory um they could maybe send those dudes down to earth or have the another relief ship bring up more you know scientific supplies and stuff to look into possibly curing them but my thought is there's not going to be a cure because they were dead like 
we everybody thought they were dead before they sort of reanimated. So I think those guys are just goners. That's sad. Yeah. Well, I think that's why uh, that's why no attention was called to it at the end because you know it's a show for kids. So let's not let's not point out the fact that uh, that these four guys are just however many guys are just yeah. Not only not only are they they just dead, but they're they're dead and slightly reanimated, meaning that their friends will probably have to put them down. That's dark. Hurrah! <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, it is. Perhaps that's just another. Uh, I mean, this thing. What? Uh, when is this broadcast? In January nineteen? No, February sixty-seven. March around there. Um, basically. I think it was three or four months after the 10th planet is basically say, Hey, the Sarmon are great. Let's quickly make another story. Mm-hmm. And so this is basically speed written. Uh, and you'll notice the many similarities perhaps of the plot mm-hmm. between this and the 10th planet, including a ship, a rescue ship uh, being misdirected into the sun, just like happened in the 10th planet as well. Oh exact same thing happened. I forgot. I totally forgot that. That yeah. is, this is this was just so much more perfunctory yeah. that yeah, it didn't uh, it didn't make as much of an impact. Mm-hmm. I liked seeing the uh, the laser get redirected into the sun though. That was pretty sweet looking. Was that awesome? Like the one that sort of bounced off the uh, the dome. That was some prima donna like visual effects for Doctor Who. And I I was well impressed by that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was pretty neat. Yeah, uh, and the Cybermen themselves were were neat uh, in design, apart from some of their dialogue. You know, <laughs> we'll give you ten seconds if you stupidly refuse to answer. He says, so that was funny. Yeah, that sounds a little bit emotional, and I feel like mm-hmm. they shouldn't be having so much emotion. That's that's a judgment right there, Mister Cyberman. You're you're judgy. I don't feel like judgy Cybermen are really you know like st- sticking straight to uh, what we were taught Cybermen were supposed to be in the Tenth Planet. Yeah, I think so. Cy- I think perhaps this is where they all start to go a bit rogue uh, and then as the years go on they get a little less and less um, emotionless um, you know well you know it, we see them change on the outside it makes perfect sense for there to also be sort of internal changes as well as they as they adjust and evolve you know they're, they're stripping out emotions maybe they don't do as great a job later on just mechanically you know with whatever tools they are using to alter humans mm-hmm. uh, so so yeah I'm, I'm all right with the uh, with the inconsistencies yeah. because they are they're not robots they are living creatures that have been that have been altered so living creatures are not consistent either there you go that's true and perhaps different cybermen are at different parts of their uh, cybernization process as well so it's a whole bevy of explanations Yep. Yeah. When you when biology by itself is is you know tough enough to nail down. When you're mixing it in with sciencey stuff, it's just it's just a whole blah blah blah. blah. You know. Yeah. I couldn't think of a word, so I just made a weird noise. That's fine. It is late after all. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else about the moon base you want to talk about? I liked it overall. Yeah. Like you know, the end like was a little bit uh, anticlimactic, but mm-hmm. uh, it just it felt like proper like old-fashioned B sci-fi movie kind of kind of stuff yep. which I enjoyed me too and the next uh, is leading into the Macro Terror mm-hmm. which is next I can't remember I haven't seen this one as often uh, as other stories and I can't remember how prominent a role Jamie has in this but it's been interesting to see how the writers have dealt with this 
you know, newly inserted companion mm-hmm. in the underwater menace. And, you know, sometimes I've like tried to give him lines, like some of Ben's lines or another character's lines, but in the moon base, I find that they just put him right to bed. And I think even the, the dialogue that he had in the epi- this episode, I bet you was probably originally intended to be said by one of the moon base crew members, but was probably written in like the scene between Ben and Jamie, like uh, mm-hmm. blocking up the door. And I bet you that was probably originally a, a moon base crew member, but Jamie got those lines because that's literally the only thing he says. No, he has one line when they are oh. all together in the um, uh, by the communications yeah. thing. And uh, actually, there was there was one kind of neat moment where you know he's standing all the way in the back, and like after he says his line, Polly is kind of back there. And somebody else toward the front is is going on with their dialogue. But in the back, you actually see Jamie and Polly kind of like uh, quietly still conversing. Like she's nodding at whatever it is he mm-hmm. just said. And he, he follows it up with something that's obviously, you know, not out loud yeah. for real. But like I just thought it was a nice little moment of like you guys are not the focus of the scene right now. But you are not just standing there agape, you know, with your mouths hanging open, not doing anything. You're you're continuing to act. You're staying in character. It was I just I thought that was a really great moment performance wise between um, Fraser Hines and Annika Wills. I bet you that was probably worked out in rehearsal at some point. Probably, you know, Fraser Hines is going, you know, over the weeks, I still haven't got that much to say. I know they're trying to work, work me into scripts. But maybe we could show that we're actually conversing and that I exist perhaps. <laughs> and that's what I'm guessing probably happened. Well, it was it was good. Well, well done, folks. So uh, that that's it then, I guess. Um, tomorrow as we record this, only just tomorrow, it's 11.57 p.m. It's it's New Year's Eve. Um, in, in the past, we've recorded like one or two episodes on like mm-hmm. holidays, like New Year's Eve or Canada Day like that. Mm-hmm. No promises about tomorrow, but... Don't, don't you have to work tomorrow? Yeah, and then we'll watch fireworks, but fireworks are off at 9 p.m. for some reason as opposed to midnight. So once perhaps we get home, we could maybe watch some of the Macro Terror. I mean, how how else to ring in 2018 than to see a big giant crab from mm. 1967? Yeah, we'll see. We will also maybe have friends over, so I don't think we're going to subject them to the Macro Terror. Why? Everyone loves to come over <laughs> and watch... Telesnap recons of Doctor Who. I don't understand what's what's wrong with this suggestion. We can't even get Nick to watch real Doctor Who. That's moving. That's current. It's true. <laughs> okay, so it might not happen. <laughs> if not, Happy New Year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Until the next one. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.